I'm Zach. I'm Jim. I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 314 of Video Games Hot Dog. Guys, we've come full circle. Have we? Full circle times, yeah, oh, D. Almost. We're almost there. Mm. Uh, Riff's not here because Riff's in a in the woods or a car or a train or something um, on the way to the woods. You think you think he is either in the woods or on his way to the woods? He said he was in transit today, and I think they're on the coast. But uh, he's not on the okay. podcast. Is the point? We're we're mercifully free from all of the headphones and wires and things that we normally have, and it's going to be way easier to edit. You think? Yeah. Maybe you should just stay on the coast, Riff. <laughs> um, no. I miss Riff already. It's sad. How have you guys have, been? He would have had some great rejoinder. Probably. But like 30 seconds from now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stairway humor. There's a name for that in front of the L'Esprit d'Escalier. Yes. The escalator's ghost. Yep. <laughs> That's, ah, oh, man. So much. And and the ones in San Francisco are so, like, Filthy. just threaded through with poop that yeah. it's really the worst it's, kind it's of thing to be haunted poop. by. No, it's human poop, I thought. But then it's the ghost then of the poop died. It's the, oh, it's the ghost of poop. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, you're right. That's the true Esprit de Escalier. How come we're not allowed to have parties in here because of the residences upstairs, but the residences upstairs are allowed to have really loud parties while we're recording a it podcast? It might be a neighbor. It might be like a sideways neighbor, right? Ooh, like uh, like Thomas Hayden Church? <laughs> sure. Or Paul Giamatti? Oh, yeah. Or another actor from Sideways? <laughs> I can't remember any. What have you been up to, Jim? Uh, <clears throat> I watched some movies. That you can't talk about. Uh I watched uh, The Last Jedi, which uh, I really enjoyed, and I'll try to talk about it a little bit without spoilers. Okay. Um, I I really liked it. I really liked how it wasn't afraid to be ridiculous. Okay. Like, it's really, really ridiculous. So, Star Wars in and of itself is kind of ridiculous. But but also, but like... it takes itself seriously? But self-serious, okay. yeah, especially... Yeah, I mean, Star Wars is melodrama and always has been, right? Yeah. And not particularly well-written or well-acted melodrama. Right. But it wasn't, except in the prequels where sometimes like a cow would fart on Jar Jar's mouth or whatever, uh, it wasn't making jokes. Right. I saw The Last Jedi twice. First time I absolutely hated it. So the second time because you liked it so much, you wanted to see it again. Uh, No, I had already bought the tickets. Oh, uh, so you didn't hate it enough to just throw the money away? No. Okay. No, I mean it. Like, I was I was fifty fifty on whether I was going to get a refund or not. But then I thought, you know, I'm I never get a refund when I buy Alamo tickets and don't go, so I'm not going to get a refund. So I might as well see the movie. Okay. <laughs> um, second time, I felt like, all right, I see what's good about this. If you just took out all the jokes. Mm-hmm. Almost all of the jokes. There were like a couple of jokes that worked, but man, it was I, when when we were leaving the theater the first time. I said that was like a funnier die video <laughs> about Star Wars with all of this with all of the actual actors in it playing the characters. Like that is what it felt like to oh, me. That's interesting, and it still kind of does. Like it just feels like it feels like Star Wars with the influence of like robot chicken. Applied to. I it. have like no yeah, I, I faith mean, I, in this director, so I'm. I know you hate him. So it's not. <laughs> and I do. Like I liked Looper and Brick. You know. Okay, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing that we definitely agree on is this movie is about fifty percent too long. Yeah. Um, 
there are definitely there are, there are some like subplots in there. Like it, it, they, it, there's a lot of threads, especially like the middle act divides into three or four different story threads that kind of play out simultaneously. And I think at least one of them could just go entirely. And any one of the others could be given maybe another five seconds per scene to breathe. Sure. Like every time anybody is about to experience any emotions, they cut away from them. And that's (laughs) like, well, that's one way to make this even stupider is to not have any serious moments at all. The, the other thing that, that struck, struck me was, um, that, uh, I, I like that this movie is, and this is probably like a sign of changing times or maybe just that the audience is older, that they are, um, stepping back from, uh, like black and white good and evil storytelling, which was kind of just a, a very core theme of the, the first trilogy at least. Um, and also stepping back from like, um, the force as like inherited nobility. Um, and it's still nobility, so it's still like bourgeoisie bullshit, but it's a step forward. Yeah, I guess it's not available to everybody, right? Like it's you're born into it. Yeah. I mean, you're you're born into being able to use it as a like a wizard. Yeah. Like they make a, a this, this has always been a theme of the movies like that the force is like a is is more of a, a force that saturates the universe and right. it, it affects everybody, but like it um, pools and certain people. And but like, others. but being able to set someone's hair on fire with it is restricted to the noble class. Did you not to dive into video games right away? But uh, did you ever play the Raf Coster? Star Wars Online was that was Star, Star Wars, Wars, Wars Galaxy and I never played it. So like as I understand, I did not play it either. But as I understand it, there was at least at, in the early days, um, only extremely rare individuals had the possibility of becoming a Jedi, and there were these hidden unlocks that you would that were like uniquely rolled for your character. So you you most people weren't just couldn't be a Jedi and some people could, but they had to like do these things that they didn't. They had know. to like level up skills all the way and the skills were randomly selected. Yeah. So it'd be like, I have to learn, like I have to get really good at speaking bocce and really good at giving people haircuts and right. really good at shooting a blaster. And, and then, then you suddenly to, you'd be like, then oh, maybe now, you can now be, you a can Jedi. be a Jedi. But then I think, wasn't there also, didn't that also turn on permadeath? Right. That's I what remember. I, that's what I remember reading was that like you had to work really hard to become a Jedi. And then if you died, you would become a blue glowy. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, they wanted it to be rare like it was in the time period of yeah. the history that it was set. You, 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 that, I think that <laughs> was the intent of yeah. that, that well, particular choice. <laughs> um, but people who are playing a, a power fantasy, they want to be the powerful one. Yeah. So like. Yeah, but nobody looks back fondly on the old Republic, right? Like the new Star Wars MMO. More people played oh. it, and it made more money. And I thought it was, well, I don't know. Like I never everyone, really seriously everyone was played. A Jedi or whatever. Yeah, I mean, they. I think they did. They started out with, all right, well, let's make it so the the way that everybody will not be a Jedi is we'll make it so tanks and healers, like Jedi's, are not tanks or healers. Like the. Okay. Wait, is it that? No DPS. Everyone wants to be DPS. Yeah, I guess it would be better if Jedi's were tanks and, and they kind of didn't do that. I don't know what I was thinking. Why was I thinking that they had like a clever? Maybe that was an idea that I had for something they should oh, have yeah. done. 
But the problem is that they. And then I, then, I just articulated I, it backwards. Maybe I, maybe I telekinetically sent them that idea. Telekinetically, you know, <laughs> yeah. like when you when you share thoughts with someone, yep. telekinesis yep. by like physically moving your thoughts into their brain. <laughs> yeah. But I just said it wrong. You just you just slide your phone over to them tele, telekinetically. Mm-hmm. Good guys, Greedo shot first. Yep. That's what I believe. Cool. I've heard that. Um, Anything else besides uh, the first last Jedi? Uh, I would like to report that um, the cinnamon dolce mm-hmm. in in the Starbucks on the way, on Second Street is gone. They they haven't left it out anymore. I think it was They're a mistake. Sin sin dolce sin sin dolce. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I think it was a, an error because oh, yeah? it's too delicious. Oh. I think they can charge for that. I see. So do you have to? Do you, can you ask for it? Right. I haven't worked up the nerve. Okay. I mean, you could just order a cinnamon dolce, right? Like that's just an, a thing on the menu. Maybe. Oh, is it? Like somebody so you, accidentally left out the mix for it or uh, something. Okay. Because they they kept it in one of their sweetener vessels. Would, I, I guess that would make sense. Yeah, you should have you should have swiped it and taken it to a lab. Yeah. If only. It also makes sense why it would be ambiguously labeled, right? <laughs> right. Um, because it wasn't meant for uh, for the. It wasn't supposed to be public facing proletariat. Yeah. No, right. For the the plebes. Yeah. Are those the same thing? It wasn't it wasn't meant for the hoi polloi, which actually means the teeming masses oh, does it? and not, and the, not elite. the elite. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that people think means the opposite Swap. of what it means, so it does. God damn it. <laughs> Wait a minute. I thought it meant the teeming masses. It, it does. does. Oh. So I had heard that it meant the opposite of what people people thought it meant, and then oh it must mean the elite. I mean a lot of people think it means the elite. Yeah. Because huh. um, it sounds it sounds hoity toity. Well, it, it does, does because that's what the elite call you. <laughs> When you're hoi polloi. Right. I see. Oh, oh, I see. <laughs> I saw that and I also saw The Shape of Water, which was very, very good. Amelie 2. Yeah, Amelie 2, The Shape of Water. I So some people told me that that's, this movie was a lot like Amelie, and then some people were like, what? No, that's dumb. It's not. And then I saw it, and it definitely was. I did not I did not see, see a lot of similarities. Like you, you were able to draw a couple, that I, a, couple, a couple of parallels that I had not really thought about, but... It's visually very <laughs> similar. I, I, I would give you that, like there's there's sort of a color palette uh, saturation kind of thing going on, but that's a very similar. That's just a like thing that's in a lot of like fantastical, like semi fantastical. Yeah, things. like sure. It, the, it Guillermo has, del Toro and the uh, Junay and Caro, like like the, those as pairs of developers, like do that a lot. It has a Balmusette <laughs> soundtrack, which Fine. almost no movies have, and. Like, it's not the same composer or anything, but, like, very, very similar soundtracks. Uh, it has unexplained fantastical elements that just... Except for that, like, in Amelie, it's, it's like, weird magical realism, whereas in Shape of the Water, it's just sort of, like, sort of sci-fi. Right? Well, I wasn't talking about that. I wasn't talking about, like, the, superna- like the supernatural elements. I'm just talking about, like, I don't know, there's just a scene where suddenly something obviously not real is happening because it's just something that someone is imagining. Right. And that's a thing that happens all over Amelie. Um, what, huh, which the, the main characters look kind of similar a little mm-hmm. bit. The women, which is <laughs> in the sense that all people look alike. The main characters, the main characters share 99.5% <laughs> of their the genetic DNA. material. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, also the main character of uh, the shape of water is secretly an orangutan. <laughs> right. Um, 
No, a chimp. It's chimps. That well, that's, and that's why they have no lines. Right. Yeah. Whose line is it anyway? Not the chimps. That's for sure. Uh, let's see. It has a happy ending that you didn't expect. It has a, uh, the guy from, uh, the guy from, um, uh, Boardwalk Empire with rotting severed fingers. Okay. That didn't happen anomaly. I'm, I'm really, <laughs> I'm starting to grasp at straws here. Uh, it has, okay. The main character has a close relationship with a neighbor who is a reclusive old artist with a weird CRT television in his, apartment a weird crt television well it's like a television a, a, that was appropriate for the time period but what is the time period of so the time period of amelie is like 91 or something which i guess the tv would not th- he had inappropriate he was just old tech in his like what he had a, in shape of water i think it is the 50s right like is it it's I not so is it really i'm pretty sure okay well anyway <laughs> still it's visually it's visually similar there was something else i like I'm not saying this movie is like Amelie, but I guarantee that Del Toro was thinking about Amelie a lot when he was making this movie. Okay. I mean, just because he is all the time. Like me. I'm always thinking about, I'm always thinking about Amelie because I'm like almost always listening to the soundtrack to Amelie. Just on a loop. On a loop would be a good name for Amelie's sister. Amelie too. On a loop. Yeah. That sounds like a French lady's name, right? Sure. Anyway, it's like Amelie. What have, what have you been up to, Kevin? I, I heard I heard a rough a rough tale. Yeah, so uh, I was I was at the office uh, last night around midnight uh, working, and uh, very suddenly my uh, my abdomen started hurting real bad, and then very quickly like worse than I had ever like worse pain than I had basically had in years, uh, and I didn't know what to do about it exactly. Like I couldn't. I was like writhing around and like trying to move and like try to find like a comfortable position and just nothing was changing and like uh <clears throat> i eventually just like started throwing up because it was like so bad uh and that actually made me feel better and i was like okay i'll just keep throwing up <laughs> that's that's a solution to this problem um and then i feel uh, like throwing up just triggers like a feel better reflex i maybe that like i yeah. i almost always feel better after throwing up yeah so like regardless of whether it actually helped things when i when i had the kidney stone recently like finally the pain becoming so overwhelming that i threw up was really like the beginning of the end of the whole thing like Mm. it it was like a huge like oh fuck okay finally i can go to sleep and then like an hour later i woke up and everything felt fine like it was all over oh wow i don't think it's had anything to do with it but (laughs) okay uh yeah so eventually it wasn't actually fixing it for you right no it was not it It, it was just immediately like like 10 minutes later i'd be back to like on the the like on the you know one to ten pain scale, it was like a it was like an eight, I think. Um, and so then I just I went to the emergency room. Did you just like take an Uber to? I did. To I so Zuckerberg. So, no. So what I did was I went to our stupid, our idiotic, stupid health insurance website and typed in my uh zip code and i was like what is the closest emergency room that i can go to and they said here's a general hospital that's like 0.4 miles away and i was like okay i'm gonna go there and i get there and it's a fucking children's hospital they will not treat adults (laughs) so they like they like admit me and they like see me for like a little bit but then they have to transfer me to parnassus so like they have to like go five miles away from where i set out like i like did not get to go to a close hospital i went to a much much further hospital after after that and had to like get in a fucking ambulance and like 
It was super, super annoying. I am really pissed off at our like just stupid health insurance website uh, because if they had just said children's hospital, I would not have gone there <laughs> because I'm not a child. Um, although that sh- that hospital was like really clean and nice. It was, like, ah, that sucks. Yeah, it's really it was a good hospital. I was like, man, oh man, good good healthcare is wasted on the young. <laughs> it really is. Um, it's because children are so clean. Exactly. Uh, so I, I got some morphine, which uh, meh, I guess. I don't. It was. It lasted like it provided some relief, but not perfect relief. And it was like half an hour, and then I was like back and pain again. I was like, this is not all of the like amazing. This is not the amazing miracle drug that I was hoping it would be. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, I think we had similar like. The, I've only ever had it once and it was when it was just recently when I had that second kidney stone and it made me not care about the pain, which was nice because I was able to like finally not be just like freaking out and like pacing around the room, making everybody nervous. Yep. But it still hurt. Yeah. And I also wasn't that I said, what's this going to do? Cause I just said, I never had it before. And he was like, oh, you're going to feel great. You're going to, you're going to feel kind of floaty and high and just not even a little nope. bit. And I think I felt you know, a little weird, but I did not feel floaty or high. People <laughs> say that it's different if you're not in a tremendous amount of pain and you take opiates. Like, okay. and that's why people do it for fun. But like, yeah, man. But I mean, if you're not uh, avoiding the tremendous pain of being in the world. Right. Then what, yeah. then what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. If you're not taking drugs to, 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 to mitigate the tremendous pain of being in the world, then you and I are not going to be friends. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, and so then, but then they have to give you like anti-nausea meds cause the morphine, uh, makes you nauseated and also more constipated or whatever. Cause at that point I didn't know what was wrong. Like I didn't know if it was like a really bad case of like constipation or a kidney stone or like a appendicitis or whatever. It could have been anything. Right. Uh, and so they did a bunch of tests and I finally, they gave me an, like another, uh, drug, another hydro hydromorpho okay. something <laughs> i wrote it down um and that that made me feel a little bit better and then they did, started doing this ultrasound and it was a teaching hospital so the attending came in and was working with a resident and i i think they spent about 30 or 45 minutes like looking at my inside the ultrasound <laughs> but by the end of it i felt great and i think it's possible that what happened was they massaged the it turns out i have uh, gallstones uh that they massaged whatever gallstone was obstructing whatever back into position or out of the harm's way or whatever and now and, and i felt much better <laughs> after that so clearly all i needed was just a, a good 30 minute ultrasound massage yeah, you could probably buy an ultrasound machine oh, yeah. and just do this yourself at home in that's the future true. you wouldn't be able to get the morphine though yeah that's that's although true. can can Melissa prescribe morphine to you? She is not an MD. Ugh. No. Psychology, psychology and not psychiatry. The MD is a lot of extra work just to be able to prescribe drugs. Well, and also to be able to save people's lives and stuff and perform life th- mm. life-saving surgery on if you're gonna, people. If you're going to be a psychiatrist, I don't know how often you're going to use all those life-saving techniques, right? I don't know. If you're on a plane and somebody says, is there a doctor on board? And like a doctor of art history stands up and is like, <laughs> like you can tell that guy to shut the fuck up. You'll take it from here. Thanks. I, I've definitely heard people make the argument that one of the reasons that healthcare here is so fucked up is that um, regulations demand that that many procedures that could be just be done by like a, a trained specialist have to be done by a doctor. Sure. Like you can probably do like a lot of surgeries at, with just like a year of training, if that's all you're learning. That's true. 
Um, but there are, I guess the, the concern that people have, and I think it's a, a fair one is, uh, when you are a doctor, you are trained in like the broad field of medicine. And so like, there will sometimes be contraindications to doing a thing that you wouldn't yeah. necessarily know if all you knew was it just one particular specialty. Yeah, if all you know is how to, <clears throat> how to take out a uh, appendix. Right. You just, everything looks like an appendix. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I feel like in a medical textbooks, everything does kind of look like an appendix. <laughs> right. Like it's all, it's all just lists of things and, you know, oh. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, vestigial. Uh, yeah, so I nothing has fundamentally changed. I'm supposed to. Yeah, like you'd be in exactly the same shape that you are right now if you had not gone to the hospital. Well, no, I think which is... I think it's possible that the ultrasound actually made mm. things better. Um, and I definitely, you know, several hours were made much more, you know, ameliorable, tolerable, tolerable uh, because of some drugs. Um, but I was like just desperately thirsty and i don't know if that was like a side effect of getting an iv or something i haven't had an iv in at least more than a decade Hmm. i think the last time i had one was maybe i think when i had my wisdom teeth out i maybe got one oh weird because i because i I went under completely so i don't know if they did that with an iv or gas or whatever um i don't remember anything about that it's gone they didn't give you saline what is that like just fluids. Oh, th- last night. Yeah, there was. I definitely had an IV bag of okay. of saline. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the second, whatever the second uh, pain medication was, which I think was also an opiate, uh, was it had like a super weird like aftertaste in my mouth when it went into my IV, which I thought was a strange. That happens. The, the, I remember when they when they put mm-hmm. me out for one surgery. It was like this is going to make a weird. It was like a, just a weird like eathery taste in the back of in the back of your mouth but like why does that yeah it doesn't yeah because there's nothing in your mouth like bodies are fucking strange yeah they are the fact that well and the fact that like we take plants basically and mash them up and they have all of these kinds of strange effects on our you know, psychology. Yeah, like some our, of them get you high as fuck. Well, yeah, like, like there are the the whole like we have these receptors for cannab, you know, our cannabinoid cannabinoid network or whatever. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I think crazy. a lot of it is just Thanks that, for like on the cannabinoid network, man. <laughs> what what I, do you I, want? I think a lot of it is just that like life just reuses the same few Built chemicals to to do everything, and so like you're if you pick a random living thing, it probably has some stuff in there that'll do shit to you. Hmm. So it's just a question of like, how do you, how do you figure it out? Like, it turns it's, out if you put frogs in your ears, it solves all sorts of problems. Yeah. It's, it's, they're all squishy though. It's gross. Yeah. Well, yeah, tiny so, frogs. So yeah. microscopic you, frogs. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm down. Um, so you were feeling uh pain, like localized in a specific part of your abdomen. Yes. It was like right under my rib cage, sort of on the front. Um, and just sort of stay in there. It wasn't, it wasn't going anywhere. So like, what do you think the evolutionary purpose is of like being able to locate pain in in an organ, like inside of you pre the invention of medicine? I mean, it's probably just an accident, right? Like you can locate pain and like, why would you even have pain nerves in there? I guess because like, don't eat that again. Maybe, maybe like having your stomach hurt when you eat something that's bad for you yeah. is an evolutionary response. It has to be, yeah, it has to be adaptive to in some way, right? Right. Being being aware of things on a smaller scale that are not like just sort of debilitating like this, 
um, that could potentially prevent future behaviors is, is definitely a good. Internal pain is also much harder to like the, I, in my experience, at least from going to doctors about pain specific stuff, like when you feel pain inside you, it's often not actually coming from where you think it is. That was, that was something okay. that was mentioned so to it's me not, as well. It's not accurate then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean you'll know like this isn't like my, your neck hurts or your guts hurt, right? But if your guts hurt, it's not necessarily in the place where the thing that's hurting them is, right? This and that makes me feel not feel, but it makes me wonder about things like acupuncture and whether there is any kind of like correspondence between different body parts and like the I think about like or acupressure maybe like because you can like theoretically massage different parts of like the foot to have an impact on other parts of your body. And I wonder if that's a, if there is any kind of correspondence there. I always just assumed that was like hippie horse shit. It might be. I don't know. <clears throat> At one point I started getting these shooting pains simultaneously in my right ear and my right shoulder, mm -hmm. which was interesting to me because like, they're not like the same part of the body, but they are physically close to Similar one another. To that, yeah. And I wonder like if like your sense of, of pain is like, if I had put my hand there, would that have hurt too? Like, is it just the, the physical proximity of it? And I asked the doctor about this. I had gone to the doctor for some unrelated thing, and he basically said he had no idea. He said, like, it was just... Stop sleeping some, uh, some porcupine under your right side. Right, right, right. It, it's just some, like, yeah, that's apparently that's what it's like to be you. So... <laughs> Was that the diagnosis? That's that is like supremely unsatisfying. You got a, you got a terminal case of being Jim. <laughs> uh, it is chronic. What else are you up to, Kevin? Um, I'm sure that looms fairly large in your memory. Yeah, uh, that's about it. I uh, Melissa was out of uh, town this past weekend, and I had all these plans to get a bunch of work done, but then I kind of felt super shitty uh, presaging my uh, my massive er trip so i kind of just stayed in bed so what do you do now you've got you've just got kidney stones and you need to go get them gallstones gallstones that's what i meant yeah. sorry uh and i don't know i have to go i have to go back and get like a real full workup um like a like this was just sort of a hand um the ultrasound thing they want to do like a, a bigger a bigger real ultrasound which i don't know what that is um and then i have a consult with a surgeon and see what the options are i think i would probably opt out of surgery unless it was incredibly obvious that i should have it uh unless there was a second occurrence because if if this is only gonna happen once every 10 years then i can deal with that yeah and if they, i've heard that like because you can some people in my family have had the same kind of heartburn that i've had and they've just had their gallbladders removed to make it go away and it definitely helps them and so i was talking to my doctor about that it was like you don't want to do that unless you really have to because like there's a chance that you just won't be able to eat cheese ever again and just a bunch of there's just like a bunch of ways that it can fuck up your digestion to have it removed and it's like we don't like to it's take unpredictable. them we don't like to take them out of people unless we really really have to i was wondering like can't they just could they just not take the stones out because that would that seems like that would be better i don't know <laughs> like or isn't there some sort of like um ultrasonic laser thing that you can just like obliterate them and suck them out with some sort of laparoscopic thing i'm i'm just making up surgeries here but can't it, they send one of those matrix things into you oh, yeah. and just have it like burrow into it and eat the stones and then also give you superpowers sure that'd be pretty cool like what if i just turned the stones into like wizard 
<laughs> what if it turned out those were the Chaos Emeralds? Ooh. Wow. <laughs> Your body becomes a Sonic the Hedgehog level. What if the... <laughs> what... <laughs> Yeah, that's your body as a Sonic the Hedgehog level. Who's the Who's the singer? That, <laughs> I don't know that one. No, your body is a Wonderland. It's like like fuck. Who's the guy? Who's the? I, you Damn made it. a joke. It's that would cool. be a much yeah, but it would be a much better joke if I remembered the name of the guy well, that not anymore sang that song. Well, I could edit it. No, I'm not oh going, right, I'm yeah. not going to anyway. Anyway, that's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what do the Chaos Emeralds do? Are they just I a MacGuffin? I, yeah, basically. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if they have powers or something, but Eggman wants them. Sonic wants them. D- is it because both Eggman and Sonic desire the reign of chaos? I MacGuffin. But what's the, why does he need it? What is the Eggman going to do with them? I have no idea. I don't know. All I I just remember seeing a fan fiction where Obama talks about the Chaos Emeralds. <laughs> That's all I know about the Chaos Emeralds. I also collected like two in my experience playing Sonic. Are they rare or difficult to find? Yeah, they're 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 like they're secret things that you collect on the way to finishing the game okay. optionally. If you get them all, do you So really your body powerful? would become a Sonic the Hedgehog bonus level. Okay. I I I think you just that get the good ending is what happens. Okay. I remember a joke that I made once in an MMO chat where I was in a group with some people and there, one of the people in the group was supposed to be named Chaos Warrior, but he had spelled it C-H-O-A-S Warrior. And somebody said, I think you misspelled your name, buddy. And I said, yeah, that was definitely supposed to be Chode Warrior. <laughs> That's pretty good. Remember that one time I was funny in an MMO chat? Uh, good times. <laughs> Played new, which, yeah, yeah, played new video games? games. Have you played? In, have you been playing any MMOs and making hilarious jokes in the chat at the expense of a child who can't spell very well? <laughs> I played some more Hitman. Wow, you've been sticking with that. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I, I got a. Um, did you do the Colorado? Yeah. One? What do you think of that? I've one? now played all the levels. Okay. All all six of them. The Colorado one is pretty rough. Like, okay. Imagine like the Paris level, except everybody has an assault rifle. Hmm. Like, is there like a is it like a paramilitary group has yes. taken over a town or something? Okay, it, it's 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 not it's not a town. It's just like a, a a farm basically, but a paramilitary group that is hanging out there. I remember people being not nearly as enchanted with Colorado when it came out, and everybody on every podcast was talking about every Hitman level as it was released. Right, uh, it's it's pretty rough. It's a hard level, um, and. Uh, it's got it's it's got some weird shit in it like the final objective after you've killed every all your targets is to um sneak into uh, a um you have, you have to use uh someone's face to open a door because they have a face scanner but i don't think there's a way to like take the face off of the corpse what they have is um Upstairs from that room, there there is like a bunch of people who like are, I don't know what they're trying to do with it, but they, they just have a 3D printer with that guy's face loaded into it as a, as the next print thing in the print queue. So all you do is you push print and then you have the guy's face. That's it's a, bad. it's a, like, I feel like there's, the, if there had been like another step there. Yeah. Or maybe two more steps. You scan his face. Yeah. You upload his face. I think that could have worked. Yeah. 
but I got a um a, a Wi-Fi extender, which is just like something that you point it to your existing Wi-Fi. Wait, is this in real life or in, in real life? Okay. <laughs> in real life. <laughs> it's like, wow, this game is really weirdly detailed. <laughs> and I, I got this. Uh, so you point it to your existing Wi-Fi. Right. You put it in Wi-Fi range and it makes a new Wi-Fi access point um, that basically like goes through the old one. Yeah. Um, and so now my PlayStation 4 can go online. And so I, I played online, so I figured out what that was. And that's, I think it's actually a little bit less fun because it, after you finish the level, it tells you how badly you did. <laughs> like it just gives you a list of all the ways you fucked up. Um, and so I, I don't know if that was worth it. Uh, but it also has this thing where like it, it, it um, there's a set of challenges for every level. Um, which, like, if you play through the level once, you're going to get ten of them, you know, just... And, and they're, they're different ways to kill people, and some of them are really obscure. And so it's like a, the one of the best case scenarios for what achievements became, which is like, like a, a nudge to go do something interesting in this game world. Right. Um, and that stuff's neat. Anything in particular that struck you as being... Especially interesting. Uh, I mean, nothing that like nothing that I actually went and did. Like, I I feel like it would be a um a really interesting speed run to watch somebody like get all the challenges in a Hitman level. Mm. So, I'll, aren't some of them often uh, mutually exclusive? Yeah, mutually exclusive. Yeah, it would so have, have to be multiple, multiple runs. runs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then then the routing would be really interesting for like getting which ones can you get in a single run right. i think that's something that i should look up and see if i see if anybody's actually doing it because it's potentially really neat anything else um i finished uh night in the woods oh oh wow uh and this was something that like i well, we played it as the assignment right yep. yeah and i put like two hours into it then and i just like kind of decided I, I wanted to finish this thing i wanted to see where it went did you start over uh, no, I, I, like, the first half of the game, it turns out to be like eight hours long, which is longer than I thought it would be. But the first four hours of that was just like kind of setting the mood, is just establishing the characters and setting the mood. And like, at first I was annoyed by how long it took for anything to happen. Like, I remember like wondering how far I was through the game and I kind of looked up the, um, plot summary on Wikipedia and like, it was like four paragraphs long and I was like at hour three, I was like two sentences into it. Hmm. Just like not if the plot had not started yet. Basically. I just assumed that it didn't really have a plot. It's got a, it's got a plot. Okay. It's kind of like it. It's, I don't know the plot. It is what it is, but like it, I don't think it's the good part of that game, but like weird shit happens and like the best Part of the fact that it has a plot is that the protagonist goes around like acting like she's in a Scooby Doo episode. Hmm. Um, and everybody else is tagging along being an adult. Um, so that contrast is pretty fun. But then like weird, um, mystical like, uh, cult sh- shit actually does happen. And it's, and I don't think it really works. But uh, I really like the characters a lot. I really like the where, where the characters go. Like, 
the characters as established. Like I was really annoyed at first that it took so long for it to go anywhere, but like, I think it was necessary to take that amount of time to establish these characters so that then when, uh, they reveal those characters, like they, they have some character development, either, either like they change over the course of the story or you see how they got to be how they are. Um, I, it, it actually had some weight to it because of just the sheer volume of, of story you'd, you'd seen so far and the time you'd spent with those characters. Hmm. Like I, I really like the writing in this game. Um, and this is like this, if I hadn't already had this kind of epiphany with prey, this would now be my example of like, Oh no, it's not me not being able to read in video games. It's actually the video game's fault mm-hmm. for being garbage. Oh, and West of Loathing. I really liked the writing in West of Loathing too. So how did you feel about it in Thimbleweed Park? I haven't played it yet. Oh, okay. Wait, we didn't do that as an assignment. No, no, we all just played it. Or, well, not all of us, I guess. Okay. It's pretty good. I think yeah. you'll like it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And also, it's not... I mean, like, a LucasArts-style game is just not as writing-heavy as either Night in the Woods or Western Clothing. Mm. Okay. Um, pretty good year for uh, for the old video games writing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You're welcome. Is, <laughs> is Night in the Woods from this year? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, it's on a bunch of game of the year lists. The old goaties, the old goatee L's. I should make one of those. Is that all? You should make a game of the year or a list. <laughs> the, I make a list. Um, I've, uh, so I, I don't know if I mentioned this at dinner or on the podcast, but April's been playing a lot of binding of Isaac mm. on the switch on the switch. Um, and so I've kind of jumped in occasionally. Um, and so I, I played like um and she's she's now like pretty deep into it, like having having several layers deep in like what used to be the final boss is now like two bosses previous to the final boss. Um and I had played like between the two versions of Binding of Isaac on PC, I had played like probably 150 hours of it. Hmm. Um So you're not a novice. Yeah, yeah. I've I, I'm doing pretty well at it but like the the going into um what is it afterbirth plus like the the i think is the latest version um like i in those you know 150 hours or whatever i felt like i felt i felt like i'd reached a really like kind of a um thorough understanding of the game and everything in the game and how it all worked um and jumping into this expansion uh, is, is like diving into the ocean where like you, I have no fucking idea what anything is. Hmm. Um, and I'll recognize some things and like, Oh, I understand this. Um, but like so much of it is just like, who even knows what this trinket does? Who even knows what this item does? Uh, and you can look it up, but that like, if you're doing it, um, when everything you find is unknown, that that takes forever. It's just not fun to yeah. to look up on the in the internet what each item does. I mean, especially if it's like because I feel like when when I got super deep into the original Flash version of it, there was a wiki that just had one page that was a list of all of the items, and so <laughs> you could just right, tab yeah. over to it and forward search. And I'm guessing that's not true for this anymore. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a um. There's a uh, website called Platinum God, which has a pretty good um, 
search where you can like describe the item that you're looking at. And people have tagged like uh, all the items with like various keywords that people use to describe it, including like things that it's not that, but it kind of looks like that. Mm. And so it'll still come up in that search. Jeez. And then, um, you know, you type in a couple of keywords and then you just visually scan for the I- icon in the list. It's a pretty good search. But wait, doesn't every item in that game tell you what it's called? Only after you pick it up. I see. Okay. And you often so you don't... might not want to pick it up. Right. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's, yeah. 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 A lot of this stuff is just like, uh, my personal pet peeve is when I get cursed in that game, which happens a lot more now that I don't know what curses you. Mm. Uh, and, and cursing it just, uh, as far as I can tell what, what it means is that when you get damaged, there's a chance you'll just teleport to another room. All right. Um, and that sucks because a lot of the rooms are just like, oh, I've gotten, I've killed nine of the 10 things that are in this room. And then if you get teleported out by the last one, you go back in and they've all respawned. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pain in the ass. Does, um, I wonder if that resets their ability to drop items when they die. Oh yeah. I don't know. Cause if so, then that becomes this gross degenerate shit that you have to do. (laughs) Yeah. I have definitely like. One of the things that happened a lot in the Flash version of the game is that I would have a bunch of money and then I'd run into a casino and then I would just feel obligated to spend all my money in the casino because I usually come out like in better yeah. shape than if I, I mean, didn't. especially if you're Kane or, or you have right. the, the rabbit's foot or whatever, like the stuff that made you lucky. It was just, yeah, you had a slightly better but, than even expectation of it. And yeah, it was just fucking boring. But even if you didn't, it was usually still worth it. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't happen nearly so much in this game. And I think it's just mostly because, uh, the arcade, which is what I call the casino. It's an arcade in the right. game. Um, just has a bunch of machines. It has different machines. Whereas pants. like the machines were always the same layout in, um, yeah, there was like the always a blood machine, always a slot machine and always a, um, right. And in this one, like it's usually a different selection that doesn't have quite such powerful synergy, hmm. which, Oddly enough, is what you, it turns out what you want to not be bored in this game. Hmm. Yeah, but it's still uh, really, it's still really like the draw of, of um, you know, I'm not someone who's into gambling, but playing Binding of Isaac, I kind of get it. I kind of like, I, I do kind of feel like you know, rolling a character. And seeing what, you know, what cool item I get on the first couple of levels to see, like, how, how is this character going to do? It feels like, um, what I imagine the excitement of, like, if someone who's, uh, who's really into gambling, I, it feels a lot like what I imagine that to be like to, to, um, you know, have a good, I don't know what you call it, a streak. Is that a thing? Sure. Yes, I remember you talking about when I was talking last week about the Hearthstone dungeon run mode, you saying it sounded a lot like the Binding of Isaac, where it's like every once in a while you'll get just this really good engine going and just be like have this crazy powerful shit happening yep. all the time. And yeah. you don't always get that. Um, <clears throat> I continue to just play a shitload of that. And I finally yesterday beat it with every class. Um so I got the card back, and I don't know that I'm going to 
play it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, no, I'm definitely going to use it. I'm okay. definitely going to use the card back. I just don't, I think I might be done playing Dungeon Run. For, maybe I'll come back in a year and see. If, if they make new challenges or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, maybe they'll, this was a really significant mode. Yeah. Like, and I, if nothing else, it makes me happy that they, that they're doing weird experimental shit with it because it, I derived a lot of satisfaction from doing this. Um, man, the two last classes that I had to beat it with, uh, it tells you when you go in with a given class, like how many dungeon bosses you've beaten with that class. And I was over a hundred on both of them. Jeez. Like just, God. I mean, it's eight, you know, it's up to eight right. levels per. So, I mean, that was like 10 runs each probably, or no more than that, more than that. 15 runs each. Um, yeah. Druid and, mage were the last ones that were just like curious mage was by far the hardest like i felt like mage just has kind of a bad deck to start with (laughs) druid always felt like i was just gonna steamroll everything but then i would just end up getting ruined by something the inability to just to build your own deck is kind of frustrating i like something that i think would have made it a lot easier for me was the ability to cull some cards from your deck at yeah. a certain point, like even like you know add three, subtract one or something. Right. Um. It's the that's a hunter spell, right? Tracking. Yeah, yeah. Draw three and keep one. Discard the other two. Yeah. Um. But I just mean like actually remove it from the deck. I see. Um. I played. I played a game. It's it's an itchio. And it was called, it is called Ready Player Fuck. Why are you groaning about? I don't know. Just, it doesn't, I can imagine a game that would use that title that would be bad. This was, it's interesting. It, so it's a game that's kind of about the internet criticism of Ready Player One. And it definitely comes down not in favor of ready player one it's like definitely like a criticism of that but it's not just a it's not the kind of thoughtless criticism of it that bothers me where someone who hasn't read the book just says hey look at this right. this guy's bad at writing haha yeah but not me i'm one of the smart ones uh this was the game itself is sort of to internet culture what an actual incisive critique of Ready Player One would be to the sort of uh, deification of '80s pop culture. Like you start, you start out, it's it, like you're just like walking around in the environment that the main character lives in in Ready Player One, and it's like the the big virtual reality thing has been built by Ernest Klein. Except it's like Erdened er, er Clean or something. It's like, it's just some different version. But there's like a picture of him in, in it. So, right. It's like <laughs> that. But the game is like entirely just made of like stolen assets. So, like, you, you start out the only like, I think entirely like original part of this is that the, they've like reconstructed a version of like the stacks, like the piles of RVs that people mm. live in and that the main character lives in, in the, in the story. And you go and you like jack into the virtual reality thing and you, your, your level is expressed in terms of like how much BO you have because it's, Whoa. you're proud because you never leave the house. And so you get all this, you get all, you have all this time to like memorize pop culture ephemera like the 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 world is just filled with like other people who are like players in the oasis but they're all like tony hawk just like 
gliding around with his arms outstretched in the T pose that the model comes with, or like Buzz Lightyear doing the same thing, or like, like in the middle of the like central hub of the virtual reality world, there's just like a giant statue of Waluigi riding Garfield, like a horse. Um, there's a couple doors that are open to you. And then there's a couple that you can't get through until you level up. And the way that you level up is just by like collecting coins uh, that are scattered all throughout the level. And then by like, a, like achieving certain things in the levels um, there are loot crates just literal, they just loot crate and it just says loot crate on it hidden around. And when you open it, there's either, there's either some jokes or some randomly generated, just like the kind of trash that would be in a loot crate. And then you also get some like loot bucks that you can use to get some power ups at a shop in the first level. But I never found enough of them to be able to afford any of the upgrades. So I don't know if they actually do anything. Um, this all implies like a much richer, like, set of game systems than I had imagined when you started describing this game. Yeah, and it's... So, this was... This showed up on a an AV Club list of, like, games you probably missed in 2017. And, there like, a lot of the games on it were really good, and this was one of the things that that was mentioned, and so I thought I would check it out. Uh, And plus, I mean, it's free because you can't charge money for a bunch of stolen Tony Hawk character models. Unless you're Eukerspiel. Well, Okay. There was a little bit of jank like that, but not enough that it actually bothered me. The only like actual significant problem was it had a hard time knowing whether you could jump if you were moving downhill. Hmm. It used some weird like that's blit- a, I think it that's used a common problem if you're using like Blitz 3D. It used Blitz 3D, which is some 3D engine that was supposedly discontinued, but like you can apparently still find copies of it somewhere. Um, the first level is. Just the Back to the Future theme is just playing on a loop, and Jeez. there's a light cycle race track that's, like, the main part of the level, and then there's all these buildings in between with just posters, like, just, like, hundreds of Deadpool posters and a bunch of giant things on the sides of buildings that said, keep calm and the cake is a lie, and it's just, it, it's, like, it's it's just so, like... I don't know. Like there's a, there's a, point, there's a point it's in the second level. You're in like the hangar of the death star and the star Wars music is just playing. And there's a point where you go and have a lightsaber duel with Darth Maul, but you're surrounded by just 30 billboards that are just a, the same photograph of Will Wheaton. Like, and then you can kind of, you can fly a tie fighter and just shoot space invaders out in the outside of the outside of the death star thing that, that door is labeled Jurassic Park, which is pretty funny. So you go, the portal is just the Jurassic Park archway. You go in there and it's Star Wars. So that was pretty good. Uh, and the th- there's a level that's just like a kind of like Godzilla is destroying this city and you can like enter Optimus Prime as a vehicle and shoot missiles at Godzilla. And so like, were you saying that this was like satire of some kind? I Yeah, I kind of, it felt like actual satire rather than just saying that something was shitty or parodying something it was but it felt like like it was more than just making fun of ready player one it was like kind of like yeah but like everything about this culture is bad in the ways that you're saying that this is bad which i thought like you know at least i I do think like a a lot of people who are criticizing ready player one that they're criticizing it is a stand-in for that whole ethos 
Yeah, although it's always, it's more, I I tend to see that criticism as being more about, like, it being a cynical, nostalgic cash-in, as opposed to, like, no, this is actually just kind of gross, sexist culture. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about this that I felt made it a little bit more legitimate as as criticism than just like tweeting that you didn't like something is that I'm pretty sure that this the woman who made this game read the book or at (laughs) least like read it enough to be able to like make some specific jokes about what it was yeah Um, I haven't read the book but I saw the trailer in front of The Last Jedi it was fine it looked fine I don't they must not have played it at the Alamo. I saw The Last Jedi twice at the Alamo and I don't I don't think I saw like I watched the Ready Player One trailer because whatever it was on the internet and I just like I just fucking love 80s nerd nostalgia. Also I thought the book was fine. It was like You say that you say the whatever was on the internet like like there's a finite amount of stuff to see on the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which no, does I, not I, jive with my experience. There was nothing on the internet, and okay. so I just, you know, the, I was just flipping channels. <laughs> the Ready Player One trailer came up. I actually didn't see a whole lot of overt nostalgia. There was some, like, stuff that you had to kind of watch for in the trailer. It's, I think that Spielberg is excising a lot of that. Like, because, I mean, Spielberg is not, for instance, going to, like, there's a part of Ready Player One where the main character just has to participate in the entirety of the movie war games as the protagonist of war games <laughs> the funny thing is that sam barlow is making that <laughs> right yeah that yeah that's um <laughs> which they're not going to do that and like spielberg is removing references to his own works wherever he can is what i read that's about interesting like he's, or is he just saying that and it's actually just gonna be a big commercial for all of his other stuff yeah i don't know i yeah. 30 minutes of et I'm gonna I'm gonna go see that movie in the theater just to be a oh, fucking contrarian. I'll go like, see it with you? Yeah, I figured you would. I mean, you also, you know, we read the book and we we're like, wow, that was really like, that was some real candy yeah. that I just read. It was like, I mean, I, I I don't think it's that dissimilar to like Dan Brown, who I think is not a great writer, but like can string a bunch of like thoughts together in a way that like intrigues you, even though you know that it's stupid, right? Like, and I mean, like Twilight. Okay, yes, Twilight is bad, but a lot of people got a lot of enjoyment out of it, and that's why it was so popular, and that's, like, wh- like it just wasn't for me, and so right. it's like, you know, you can have that candy if you want to ruin your life. Yeah, if you want to get vampire diabetes. <laughs> um, they, have to control, they have to control their insulin level by finding somebody else who's got whacked up insulin. Oh, man, find somebody with the opposite problem. If yeah. you have low blood sugar, you have to drink the blood of somebody who has high blood sugar. Tribes. <laughs> uh, I think that was it besides the assignment. What have you been playing? I played um, an iOS game that's, I think it was from 2015, um, the first half of The Silent Age, sort of a point-and-click narrative thing. It's got kind of a time travel uh, mechanic to it, which is kind of nice. Um, it seems like very light on storytelling and very heavy on puzzle solving. And the puzzles are all kind of, at least so far, uh, more or less the same. It's sort of like an order of operations. Are you moving around a space or is this like you a are. device six kind of? You're moving around a space. You're a character that has like a walk animation and you. 2D? Yeah, 2D. Okay. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's, it, it's fairly 
um, simplistic models and animations and stuff like that. But it's 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 got some mood to it, which is cool. Um, and the story is intriguing, even if it's not like the best, most well written that I've ever seen. I'm sort of saving the second half of that uh, for the flight to Arizona. Hmm. Um, and I also got the, there, there was an update to, uh, was it cut the rope magic? One of the like 17 spinoff apps or whatever. Um, and I have, I'm also saving that as, as a thing to play over Christmas. It's really, oh, I was going to say that's not a very long flight. Well, right. <laughs> like I don't No, just, just to have, just to have some stuff to, to, to play and, and enjoy later. Um, yeah, I've been kind of sort of going back and looking at, cause like I've, I've had silent age on my phone for since it came out, I think, and then just never played it. And I feel like I want to kind of clean off some of the stuff that's they're like giant two gig apps that I just are just sitting there doing nothing. Um, there's a lot of voice acting in it, which is surprising. Oh, weird. Yeah. Um, this had the ready player fuck had a lot of voice acting, but I think it was all just done by the person who made the game. And so it was like kind of deliberate, deliberately bad, like, like over the top kind of. Yeah, it yeah. was, it was, it was funny, and it was it didn't need to be well acted in order to be effective, and it was like pretty short. You said something about a puzzle script game too. Oh yeah, sorry, I, I, I should I can't remember the name of it. Unfortunately, it's like the Flame or Flames or something like that. I can I can give you the, the yeah, link I'll for the show, in, notes. Put it in the show notes. Um, yeah, I just saw a link to this 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 morning. Uh, Stephen Lavelle, who made Puzzle Script, was like, "Hey, does anybody else want to try this uh, extremely difficult puzzle strip game? Because I'm stuck and I want other people to be stuck with me." And it is it is definitely the hardest puzzle script game that I have played. It has very few moving parts and is just conceptually advanced in a way that I'm just not able to wrap my head around yet. Um, basically it's, it's, you know, Sokoban in the style that you, you know, there's little boulders that you're pushing around, but there's also a candle on the level and everything is flammable. And that just dramatically changes what you can do. And you have to do things in a very particular order. Cause if you ever get the candle next to anything that's flammable, it just kept bursts into flame. Um, and that has just broad reaching implications about like what, what you need to be able to, what you can do and what you need to be able to do to get, to just traverse the space. Um, so it's cool. Just a very different, it's not unlike anything I've seen. And I, th- it's just, I think it's great that you can like f- take such a simple scripting language like puzzle script and just examine these, um, super unusual puzzle mechanics. Cause I feel like that's something that Alan Hazelden just did over and over again with, um, just different kinds of ways of using the grid-based system to to make mechanics and explore them uh, in sort of a in a very light way. Because I feel like that's the thing. That's the thing that I don't have a lot of experience with. Would be like I can maybe come up with the systems, but I don't have like the level design experience where you sit down and you just say, okay, well now I need to make twenty levels or a dozen levels that yeah, are actually you, interesting. You built like a what seemed to be a pretty promising set of rules yeah. for a game in puzzle script. And then I made like about a dozen levels, but none of like, only like two of them felt like they were like interesting puzzles. And the other ones were just sort of labor. Yeah. Maybe I wonder if, I wonder how much of that is they didn't feel interesting to you, but that doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that they wouldn't be interesting to somebody who wanted to play a slightly easier game than you like. Yeah. Sure. The trick might just be to take those two interesting levels and make them the last two. <laughs> right. And then just build up to that. The, uh, the whole trick of like all making 
the actual game, the bonus thing that's after the, what right. is it, an extremely extended tutorial in your own head. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I think that was like Matt Ricks did that with train yard was how that worked. Like it was a, it was a huge long puzzle game, but it turns out that was all just a tutorial for the actual game, which is a, the bonus levels at the end. Hmm. And the, the, those were the ones that were like what he considered like actually interesting, tricky things. Um, I stopped playing. I sort of finished playing uh, the daily challenge on Crossy Road because I had gotten enough currency to like unlock all the new characters, and that that's sort of the compelling reason to keep doing it. Otherwise, I feel like you're just being a dick, taking up leaderboard spots and preventing other people from getting mm. <laughs> currency or whatever. It's interesting um, that they even let you do that. You you don't get currency. You just get the coins um, once you've unlocked everything. Uh, but yeah, it's I mean it's it's a competition, right? Like you're you're vying for spots i'm really curious how it works i like i i can't imagine there's only a hundred people still playing that game since there were millions of downloads um and what so like do they have like sharded little communities competing with each other is that because that is the only thing that sort of makes sense to me in terms of Hmm. and the results that you were seeing yeah because i like you can't i don't think i don't think i would consistently be in the top three of a global community right like that doesn't make any sense so. Yeah, it, and if it is charted, then you dropping out wouldn't actually help anybody. You think? It, it's probably dynamic. Oh, that's probably true. That's a good point. That's interesting. It, huh. Yeah, so like, but you know, they were presented as like, here's a list of names and their scores, yep. and they ranked them in order. Yep, and it seems like they're real people, I, like, I assume, because like... It just felt that way. I mean, yeah. it's not. It's it's asynchronous, uh, sort of quasi-anonymous multiplayer because it's just usernames. And you yeah, don't know I, real. I've seen like a bunch of attempts at like trying to make high score con- the concept of high scores work in the modern age, and like my two favorites are what Geometry Wars Two did, which was just like it just shows you your friends' high scores. It's a very sure. simple like, and and um what um the Zectronics games do with the histograms. I think right. that stuff's really clever, but like this is just kind of pretending there aren't that many people playing that's that is my assumption that, that, that there are actually are I mean, a bunch it, more it, it and sounds, they just shard it out for like a hundred yeah like, it, it seems really clustered for unlikely that that crossy road has so few players now yeah i mean i feel like old, doing but... it that way makes everybody feel better mm-hmm. because yeah. if it was an actual global leaderboard i mean like you know you could be maybe the third best dig dug player at your local arcade right but you're not the third best dig dug player in the world so right. it, like that it's like a having a local meta competition and i faking a local meta competition is yeah you know i don't know i mean what yeah doesn't hurt anybody it's just yeah, like what is? The- yeah, because most people don't think this much about it. Like right. they they say, "Oh, cool, I got number four. That's yay!" And like, then they move on with their lives. That whole paper IO thing, where it it like presents itself as a multiplayer game, but doesn't never says that it is. Yeah, and I think you know I was fooled for a while. I just assumed that it was, and then like you just if you think about it, you're like, wait, this doesn't really, this isn't playing the way that you would expect a multiplayer game to pl- to play or whatever. So. Have you played any more Survivio? I haven't. I haven't gone back to that. It's ah, man. I like it. Is it really good? Yeah. They've added a bunch of new stuff. Like when I played it today, I hadn't played it in like maybe a week and I played a few games like right before we started recording and uh, they've added like some new kinds of buildings, which it could really use. It could have really used the variety before it's added like exploding barrels, uh, which are cool. Uh, There was something else new that I saw that I don't remember exactly what it was, but. 
That's a good game. I've only it's ever like just it's just chicken it's, dinner once, and I was like, oh, okay, I feel like I've beaten this. I'm I'm done. It's just PUBG on like a much tighter loop yeah. and way simpler, way more and, like accessible. Because I'm, I'm not so, going to be able to headshot people in a, in a yeah. first-person shooter game. And also, PUBG it takes like a few minutes to get back into another game, and this oh, is like it? instantaneous. Yeah, because I mean, you it it loads everybody in, and it makes sure that everybody's like loaded, and there's just this kind of like staging area that you have to dick around on for like I think two minutes before the plane actually takes off, and you get to the real island in in PUBG. Um, might only be one minute, but it's still it just feels like it's takes a long time. Yeah, it's not like instantaneous the way that that this is because they, well because this one I always <clears throat> felt like you were popping in within the first minute of the game. So like you might have an advantage where you're the first person in there. So you can just sort of grab a bunch of resources real quick. Um, insert Vivio. Uh, but it's just such a low fi thing that, that doesn't really make a huge difference. Yeah. Um, getting lucky with the equipment that you find is so much more important than like having a lot of equipment or, or like managing to like, kill somebody who's collected a bunch of stuff and just yeah, pick up yeah. everything that they've yep all the hard work that they've done <laughs> there's a whole apparently this has blossomed into a whole genre in china on, on oh, their yeah? phones they call them chicken eating games <laughs> okay um <laughs> that's great and um I, I like what I've read is that the uh, the best one or or whatever one they made a deal with is apparently going to be rebranded as PUBG for phones. That's hilarious. Uh, here also as oh here as well. Yeah, interesting. Is it also a first person shooter style? I, I got the impression it was more of a top down th- like what you were playing. Okay. Yeah, I mean it sounded like it was a labor of a month or two to put together like. The initial ones for Vivio. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which, that's great. I don't know if there's any kind of monetization built into that, but it... Oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know if there's ads, because I yeah. think I'm, I've finally started running an ad blocker. Oh, you have? Yeah. Wow. That's a major ideological shift. Well, it was... I started using that tracker blocker the thing. Ghost that, yeah, Ghostry, and then it just I just turned on all the ad blocking stuff on it, too, So I just got fed up with something that was just some website that wasn't working one day. I... I turned on ghostry on my pc because i'm terrified of like malware malware and malware ads and stuff like that so um but on my my mac it probably I'm just I, I invite it i want it I want they it should all. do a line of uh firefly clothing and uh call it malware yeah because it's stuff that ruins your computer <laughs> yeah <laughs> magnetic brown coats should we talk about the assignment Gorogoa. Yeah. It's really it's really good. It's a game that's kind of hard to describe. It's uh it's a Oh yeah, scene. let's just spend the next half hour talking about what this game is. It's even. a scene that you can drag parts of it around and move around in it, and then you can drag parts of it into other parts of the frame. There's like a two by two grid that you're sort of playing in. And sometimes you make you you're generally speaking trying to make a man move around and collect some objects in sequence you're trying to get some fruits that turn into orbs uh but it's all hand-drawn um pretty well animated yeah yeah it's weird it's a little some parts of it looked a little like misty to me like where it's like all right this was just like a yeah just weirdly like maybe this is kind of rotoscoped too Mm. like it just the the animation looked not of a piece with with the world in a way that like it usually happened when a person was moving and it was close to the camera 
Um, but it just does a lot of things where it's like, you know, you have to change what's in this vessel by like moving the frame of the vessel out of the way, moving what was under it to another position and then moving the frame back. Yeah. Like and then you can zoom out of that and then you've changed what's in the vessel in the original scene. Sometimes you're like putting two frames next to each other. Yeah, to make a contiguous space that can be yeah. traversed. Yeah. It's, um, it reminds me a little bit of, uh, framed. framed yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that tended to have, uh, less in terms of actually interlocking, like, uh, it was more about what order things happen. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Whereas this one has a bunch of really clever sequence, uh, pieces where you are at different scales. Cause you also, one of the controls you have for each of the frames is zooming in or out a lot of the time. And, yeah. Uh, at different scales, things will match up in a way that that makes the the picture into a larger frame for a little while, uh, and characters can traverse that that frame at that point. I wonder where all of the development time went. In I think this it was game. building things, trying them out, uh, building other things, realizing that those two weren't compatible, and then throwing away part of it it sounds like i would really like to see a director's cut that just had a bunch of the stuff that was thrown away yeah in whatever yeah. version uh, I, I, that I seems re- like a thing that will surely happen right i had read that like there's a, a lot of stuff that apparently were actually reasonably good puzzles that were just cut just to make it a tighter game mm. it is if the puzzles don't serve the story i think was an interesting restriction right that, yeah. that, and that was something that i felt was really solid was that it felt like there was a narrative. I played it twice. I, I beat it and then I went back and just played it again a second time real fast because knowing how everything worked and just in that time, just really paying attention to how the story unfolded and feel like I got a lot more out of that second playthrough of the narrative um, because I got some hints of it the first time, but like it seems I'm not entirely sure exactly what happens because I think it's meant to be a little bit uncertain or unclear, but it seems like you maybe set in motion the destruction of this city and then you spend your whole life sort of researching and wondering about if you could have done something different um this is interesting i so i played like an hour of this game mostly butting my head up against puzzles and eventually going to a walkthrough and like not even then not really enjoying it just because i was just so heavily stuck and not really understanding what was going on like and like i I kind of would get what was happening after, after like reading what I was supposed to be doing. Um, but it made me wonder like, how similar is this to like my inability to see puns? Oh, huh. Like, just like the, is this related the, to like that? The context, like your pun blindness is something that you actually feel like you have. It's not a joke. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it's not literal blindness, but I am definitely less likely to like, I, one thing I vividly remember is you guys like, talking about all the dead things that Rob Zombie might turn into, all the undead <laughs> things. And it went on for like two minutes before I was like, oh, I get it, because he's a zombie. <laughs> um, I think Zach does this probably like an order of magnitude more than I do, but I feel like there's a part of our brains that are constantly just recontextualizing yeah. anything that we are seeing or yeah. hearing. Um, and Zach is like much faster at it than anyone else I know. Um, but he'll like I'll see a light bulb go on over his head, and and he'll have like a yeah a funny thing to say that's like a little bit of wordplay. Uh, but what I was actually going to say about what you were saying was that I was also unable to perceive a story at all. Okay. 
Like I saw a bunch of images and like and they seem people the- at different thematically of, well, related, like, but like the, like a character, although it's not necessarily clear that it's the same character, but it's, I, I believe that it is the same character at different stages of their life um, playing out in sort of different parts of the story. Right. Okay. And it starts out sort of in a peaceful time where this sort of monster or creature appears. And then, um, then there's this sort of a period where it's attacking the city and then it's this period where the city is destroyed and then there's the rebuilding of the city and that kind of thing. Okay. Um, I think I interpreted it a little less literally like the, like this is a story about, I don't know, somebody who was like a shell shocked world war one vet, like fantasizing about their childhood or something like more, more metaphor and less like there's a city with a monster attacking it for real. But I, you know, that's partly like the impression that I got was like, ah, this is a story that if I understood stories better, I would understand it. (laughs) Like, but I, but I was just like, "Mm, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to think about this a lot because I don't think I'm going to get there with it. And so I'm just going to sort of let the mood of it wash over me. And it's like, it's pretty nice. Yeah. Um, it's weird. I like, I just finished it in an hour and didn't ever really get stuck. Like I felt like the game was constantly tricking me into solving the puzzles by just like removing interactions that weren't relevant anymore or that would move you. Like you could never get too far from where the solution was. Like it just didn't allow you to really get lost. My, so I saw a bunch of people on Twitter saying that this game made them feel like a genius. And I was like, what does that mean? Like this didn't, I I, like, I think the puzzles are clever, but I don't think that they are like mind bogglingly like out of this world. Right. Like it's not like, I I think my high bar is Steven sausage roll, which I feel like is a thing that does make you feel really, really smart when you've solved something. Whereas this just was like, Oh, that's, that's well, you, you see, you're, you're seeing this thing and then, Oh, you see, Oh, it's, Oh, I see how these two things now, now kind of connect or whatever. There's a big difference between a game, like making you feel like a genius. Cause you actually did something really smart versus tricking you into thinking you're a genius. Like yeah. you feel like you're a genius because the game kind of fooled you into thinking you did something really smart. Well, so my contention was going to be that a lot of puzzle games, I think are, relatively tight relatively small like constraint spaces and if you just spend enough time messing with them you will find the solution because there aren't there really literally aren't that many possible ways to solve the yeah that was how i solved everything and every puzzle that i solved in this game was just like me like dragging shit around at random and i think most people don't have the patience to do that for most puzzle games so they think that puzzle games are not for them or hard or something and so my my theory is that the like the sort of the atmosphere and the the story the narrative aspects of this thing are compelling enough to keep people poking at it until they find the solution and then they feel really good about themselves because they actually completed it instead of giving up. Right. And so it, maybe it's the, like people are mistaking the sense of like, of just completion, like figuring something out, uh, or being, you know, like uh, stumbling on a solution for, for genius. And I was, I don't, I don't know if that's what's going on or not, but it's, yeah, maybe. I, I also think that a lot of the, a lot of the puzzles, even though if you, if you think about, the elements that you're moving around to solve these puzzles and the elements that these puzzles are made of as just being JPEGs, right? Mm-hmm. Like instead of boulders that you're pushing around, like in right. Sokoban, these are just pictures that you're moving around. 
like really all you're doing is moving around pictures, right? You're yeah. not you're not in any meaningful way like navigating but, but spaces. They're, they're, they're PNGs. They're, PN, they're, they're PNGs because they have transparency. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, you when they go together, they go together in unexpected ways that recontextualize or mess with the scale or suddenly animate in ways that you didn't expect or whatever. Like I, my favorite part of it by far was, I think the, the fourth level where you had to be rotating a bunch of stuff where you had to keep, keep hooking up where there's like the, you get to like the, the guy moving, the guy climbing the stairs and like the cartwheel being pushed and, and stuff like that. Like that was like, Oh, whoa. Okay. Like suddenly all of these things that I thought were decorative elements now, like the silhouette matters, but like, yeah, I don't know. It, it, to your point, I think maybe the reason that this is especially exciting to people is that even though all you've done is push two images together, what you've actually done is like turned this you know turned a star into a magnifying glass that sets a moth on fire or whatever right. and it's like oh whoa crazy look at this crazy yeah, thing like, I just did. like the thing yeah. if i if i describe the thing that i just did in a sentence it sounds like you know it sounds like a like a it sounds like an amelie well and so what i what i kind of <laughs> want to know is like how do you make puzzles intentionally that make people feel really smart because i think that those are those would be really valuable cool puzzles to include in games right like People really enjoy this game, well, and I, you know, I think that's a really great thing. I, I think a lot of it is just f- f- testing until you've removed all the pitfalls. You think? Yeah. So there isn't some sort of magic bullet that you can you can use in advance. Yeah, a priori. yeah, no. That, so one of the things that um, uh, I forget his name, but the designer of C Sharp talked about. There's a concept called pits of success, like local minimas or something. Like pits, pits meaning like. Like beginners are going to stumble and fall into these pits, so let's make sure that's what they meant to do. Huh. Meaning like when you're using this language, the thing that's like the obvious thing that you're gonna to try to do, um is Let's just make that work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> um and a lot of if you're make when you're making a game, like you got you guys know about this, but like for the benefit of the audience, like a lot of the problems that people have when they're playing the game are not problem. They're not puzzles you intended. They're puzzles of like things that you didn't realize you communicated poorly. Right. Or or like, Oh shit, that's boring. And And so nobody like that's boring. And so nobody read the thing. And so everybody thinks that they have something to figure out when they should have, you know, like the puzzle was actually just paying attention. Right. Right. And you can, you can take the, the same process that you use to smooth out those rough edges and keep smoothing out everything that's difficult about your, about your puzzles. Right. Which is a good or bad thing, depending on what you're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, thinking about designing West of Loathing, there were there were definitely friction points that just can't, kept coming up over and over and over again. And eventually, like we at first we defended them, and then we were like, ah, I, maybe we'll change something. And then we were like, we are idiots if we do not remove this right. or make this better because it's just everyone hates it. Yeah, yeah, and that's something that like you. You just have to do <laughs> the, the, that's, that's the, that process. Yeah, that's the soul searching process of like, all right, what is my game actually really about? Yeah. Yep. And you have to figure it out. I mean, we didn't really set out to make an adventure game with right. West of Loathing, but like it just became an adventure game because the adventure game parts of it were the parts that people liked. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. But I, I'm glad that we didn't take out the RPG elements because I feel like that provides an interesting frame. For yeah. Yeah. No, I really like, I really like where we ended up with it. Yeah. Um, 
Gorgo is like, I think it was the perfect length for what it was. Oh yeah. Um, and that was like, I also read an interview with, um, with Jake Roberts, the designer and Jason Roberts. Well, he goes by Jake. Oh, does he? Yeah. But yes, his name is Jason. What is, how is Jake short for Jason? I don't That's know. Not real. He, he introduces himself as Jake. That's all I can huh. say. Um, how did, how did you not beta test this? I don't know. I, I, it, seems, I, it just seems like the kind of thing that you would have done at some point. Cause I had, I mean, I had played it as a demo, but I just mm. was not, I don't, I don't, I'm not close enough to him, mm. I guess, to be in that, that circle of, of people that played it. Um, but that he had a sort of an, a length in mind and kept refining it to be, to work towards that length instead of just expanding it, which is, I think, a, an impulse that a lot of people have for puzzle games is to just keep just, adding more levels. He must have had a huge churn on play testers. I, yeah, right? Because, I don't know. like, you can't reuse them once. Yeah. 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 And, and like, there's a, there's a term, I think it was, uh, Steve Swink, uh, calls them Kleenex testers. You use them once and throw them away. <laughs> um, yeah. But you need them. You need, you need to have a bunch of people that are just, you know, have never seen your thing and give you just totally virgin feedback it was incredibly valuable to us i mean i wonder like we learned so much from showing west of loathing like demoing west of loathing at paxes and just like all right we're just sitting we're forced to watch 500 people play through this one little section of the game and like that part got really good and we kind of had to generalize the lessons about that part out to the rest of the game but then which we did successfully to a greater lesser beta testers that spent us yeah on a time playing the game yeah but i think our game was much longer and so it was possible for us to get a lot more useful testing out of somebody than just like how long did it take you to figure out this one puzzle and then do that 15 times and that's the end that's the entire game and like that's all the testing i can ever get out of you right i can't give you a different version of a puzzle you already solved and say hey did you find this one easier well fucking of course i did because i already knew what i was supposed to do right yeah i mean I guess if you showed the game a lot, you could put different puzzles in at different points if they were, you know, like to just yeah. get a bunch of testing on individual things and see about people. I, but I, I th- think that seems to be hard to this. This game felt so carefully interlocked. I'm not sure you could do that. Yeah. And I think that's probably where you were asking where the development time went. I think that's what it is, is just like making something that is so like meticulously gated and constructed like a like a like a clock it's it, i loved how it would expand so you know it would start it starts with one frame and then it sort of slowly you you sort of take things apart and because part of it is transparent so you can see you, you have like the the, ex, the frontal frame and then the ex, the thing behind and you eventually get up to four pictures and then it would collapse back down to one or two and then expand back out again and it kept sort of breathing in and out like that yeah. and it, it felt very um deliberately paced yeah. yeah it starts out with a relatively like the the first fruit orb thing is relatively straightforward to get and then it sort of broadens out to much to a couple actually quite long sequences and i really liked like a lot of games do this and a lot of them don't necessarily pull it off but i really liked the sort of like bookend at the, the end yeah 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 code is the right word for it um where it's just like a a series of like, here's some small, pretty easy to solve, but very satisfying puzzles to solve in all of the places that we've been yeah. so far. And that was just like really satisfying. I agree with that. That was, it felt very good. Yep. Yeah. That's a, that's a really common way to, if you don't want to make a final boss, that's a really common way to end a game is vignettes of all the levels. Yeah. Like, like just fight, fight all the other bosses in the game in sequence. Again, yeah. Yeah. 
Thanks, Mega Man. <laughs> um, or what is it? Fucking Act Razor does that too, doesn't it? Yep. Like, yeah. But then it does have a final boss. In well, if, if they're going to do the boss rush, then they're probably going to throw in a final boss as well. But I mean, like, I don't know. Um, what was the... Um, what if you had to fight the band Rush as the final boss? I, or the Bruce Springsteen. Weren't they the final boss of the Journey game? Oh, were they? <laughs> Wasn't the final countdown of the Europe game the... Sorry, what were you saying, Jim? Uh, I, I was just trying to remember the game that I was thinking of that did that instead of having a boss fight. Because boss fights just ruin every game they're in. Uh, is that true? I mean, I like the boss fights in, like, Castlevania games. Yeah. I guess I like the boss fights in Dark Souls. There are... Uh, not having played any Dark Souls games, there are, like, serious bosses and then, like, just sort of, min- like, smaller minions that you have to beat. Do you have to fight a lot of copies of the, the lesser minion monsters? They respawn when yeah, you die you and the main bosses do not. That's the main thing. And and usually there's... Usually beating a main boss means you've gained access to a big new chunk of space. I see. You know... I, I say boss fights ruin every game they're in, but I guess what I actually mean is games that aren't actually about combat. Or games that are optionally about combat, and then suddenly there's boss fights that don't have an optional way to right. deal with them. Yeah. The, the Deus Ex uh, games yeah. suffered from that, for sure. And you played Human Revolution like after they supposedly patched in non-combat ways yes. to beat all the bosses, right? Yes. But- and it was that was fine. Oh, that was, I guess that was another thing that I played over the weekend. I uh, went back and finished uh, Mankind Divided. Apparently, I had stopped an hour before the end. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, I, was, I felt dumb. It was good? Uh, I was less enchanted with it, ha- like having taken an eight-month break from playing it. Uh, but, I, you know, I love that series. And I think, I think what I enjoy is the process and not necessarily the destination, right? Like sure. It's, it's yeah. the, the joy of, like collecting things and and trying to like sneak past exploring spaces outside of the context of a a big terrorist plot or whatever yeah Yeah. Yeah. Um, because that's the stuff that I feel like you remember about those games is just that like being in the space right or at least that's how I feel about like Prey and Dishonored yeah I would like to I'd like to find some time to sit down with those games and play them without them taking over my life I mean, they can only take over your life for so long. I mean, sure. you can like 100% Dishonored and it's still only going to take you 20 hours probably. Mm. Okay. Um, That's more reasonable than I was expecting. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Mm. I mean, my memory is making it shorter, but uh, what's our next assignment, Kevin? Uh, we are going to play Cosmic Star Heroine. Right. Patreon backer assignment assignment. Um, and it's a Z-Boyd JRPG. It's supposedly only a couple hours long because Z-Boyd games are only a couple hours, a couple hours long, I guess. That's we'll, what I hear. We'll find out. Yep. Um, gentlemen. Yes. Would you like to thank our lovely Patreon backers? Uh, I can't think of any of their names. Uh, one yeah. of them is Larry Fine, who oh, yeah. sent us some lovely- Larry Fine sent us some Christmas presents. Christmas we haven't presents. opened the Christmas presents Ooh. yet, but we will, and then we'll divide them up as we see fit, Yeah. <laughs> which is what he said to do. He yeah. didn't put our names on any of them. He was just open all these and then figure out who wants what. Yeah. Thanks, Larry. Yeah. That was um, really, really I don't nice see anything here for a riff. Larry has been- well, he, he, I, I he, sent, he sent something he sent specific. Something specific oh, okay. to riff. Yeah. All right. Larry, Larry has been just like a, a diehard and exceedingly kind and generous supporter and, and, and helped us for generally, forever. Generally yeah. a cool dude. Yep. Years and years. Super cool 
super dude. If you if you are ever uh, in a place uh, with Larry Fine, you should buy him a drink. Yeah, but uh, I would not recommend eating any his, of his, his cookies. cookies. <laughs> <laughs> unless uh, you unless you really want to, in which case, yeah. good for you. Are uh, we going to turn the segment into like into like a bio of every backer? Oh wow! Yeah, why not? Yeah. All right. So here's what you do. If you're a Patreon backer, uh, go ahead and spend 13 years <laughs> ingratiating yourself to us by being incredibly kind and generous and helpful. Uh, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll sing your praises. Someday we'll get a similar story about you out on yeah. the air All right. in episode 950 of Video Games Hot Dog. Gentlemen, speaking of episode 950 of Video Games Hot Dog, I've had an excellent time recording episode number 314 of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we come back around to it real Full soon. Full circle. Yeah, sounds and, good. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and listeners, I, I, I sincerely hope that you will join us and uh, that's it i'm just earnestly saying that i sincerely hope that you will join us because it's great to have you listening it is can't wait for episode a thousand kakabubu belaya have a great holiday everyone good night <laughs>